All right, so who's excited about the penguin plunge in a couple of days? <laughs> My name's John, and I work here as the Tap Kids Pastor. Now, I am going to be doing the penguin plunge, even though it's not really the season for swimming in the ocean. Some of you know that my other job is working as a kayak instructor. But of course, I only get to do that in the summertime when the weather is appropriate for swimming in the ocean. Now I'm curious, how many of you have an activity or something that you really enjoy doing that is seasonally dependent? Take gardening, for example. Our gardening team here hasn't been doing a whole lot lately, well, because it's not the season, it's winter. However, I did see them at a table in the back last week after, after church, and I saw them gathering around and planning for the upcoming spring. We all know that there are some things we can only do in certain seasons. We don't snowshoe in July, and we don't normally go swimming in the ocean in January. And the same is true for our spiritual seasons. As we go through different spiritual seasons of our lives, they each call for different activities and responses that are unique to each of them. Today, we're going to be reading from the book of Ecclesiastes. And I'm also going to be drawing upon Mark Buchanan's book, Spiritual Rhythms, where he outlines the different spiritual seasons that we go through of winter, spring, summer, and fall. And Buchanan writes that through the changing of our spiritual seasons, our responsibility is to know the spiritual season we're in and to match our actions and inactions to it. Our responsibility is to know the spiritual season we are in and to match our actions and inactions to it. Now let's begin by reading from Ecclesiastes 3, and I'm going to invite you to stand if you're able for the reading of God's word. Ecclesiastes 3. There is a time for everything, and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them in. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We can't quite read this passage without some of the context that comes both before and after it. The writer of this passage calls himself a, a teacher, or Kohelet in Hebrew, and he opens the entire book with these words. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly 
meaningless. Everything is meaningless. As it turns out, he thinks that all the seasons a person go through don't actually matter. This particular section we just read, it's a wisdom proverb, and then it's followed by an explanation of it, where Kohelet says, what do workers gain from their toil? I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. Kohela is saying that our seasons don't matter because nothing we do can have any eternal significance. So why even bother? It's all meaningless, right? And if he's right, then I think my job here this morning is done. I don't think it matters what season we find ourselves in. The only proper response is to be happy, do good, eat, drink, find satisfaction. So it seems like the only wisdom I could pro possibly give you from here is to suggest a good wine pairing to go with your Sunday afternoon meal. And while reading this, it's hard to believe that Kohela isn't a 21st century writer, perhaps a, a New York Times best-selling author with a title something like, Live Your Best Life Now. We often hear that advice. But can that be it? Do we simply give in to the common view that nothing we really do has any eternal meaning? That God, even if he's out there, he's just running the whole show. Nothing we really do can have any impact. Thankfully, no. <laughs> you see, there are two authors in Ecclesiastes. There's Kohelet, who represents the skeptic. And there's also the wise teacher, who at the end, he tears down everything that's been said so far, and he shows the reader proper response to God. It's very similar to the book of Job, where in the end, God says that Job's supposedly wise friends were actually speaking lies. And in the last two verses of Ecclesiastes, the wise teacher makes his response. And he says this, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. I really enjoy Longman and Dillard's notes on this in their commentary on Ecclesiastes. They say that the wise teacher is, in effect, saying... It's not like everything you said was wrong, but pretty much. So this morning, as we look at Ecclesiastes and the seasons that we go through, we are not going to take Kohelet's advice or such similar advice we may hear today to simply live our best life, eat, drink, be merry, without considering what season we're in. Ecclesiastes is actually calling us to pay serious attention to each season we may find ourselves in and to respond to them 
because what we do in each season matters. God calls us to respond to him and walk with him in every season. So let's dive in this morning and look at this question. What season are you currently living in? What season are you currently living in? Because I think unless we're able to answer that question, it will be difficult to match our actions to the season. We'll end up snowshoeing in July. So here we're going to look at four spiritual seasons that we all go through those of winter, spring, summer, and fall. We'll look at both the effects that those seasons have on us as well as the responses that we are called to in each season. And I would like to begin with the season of winter because I think that this is often one of the most difficult seasons for us to address. Winter is often brought about by an external circumstance like a a death of a loved one, possibly a, a loss of a job or purpose, or maybe some sort of physical malady. In the season of winter, we often find ourselves void of pleasure with a loss of appetite for the, the things that usually stir us to action. We feel empty. One sure sign that will let you know that you're in a spiritual winter is if everything is quiet, too quiet. If God's voice and presence are barely sensed, if at all. Psalm 88 is written by a man in winter. Part of it reads, I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. Theologian Walter Brueggemann, he writes that this psalm is an embarrassment to conventional faith because this writer is crying out to God with such agony and pain. We often don't know what to do with ourselves in winter. I think a lot of times we try to avoid the agony and the pain that's associated with the spiritual season of winter. Perhaps there's a Christian stigma surrounding the season of winter something that says, oh, if you're in winter, there must be something wrong with you, or, you know, you must have sinned, and now you're paying the price. It sounds a lot like Job's friends. And so often, we tend to ignore it. But what would it look like if instead we embraced winter for what it is? Embraced it as a season that is sure to come in all of our lives, how would we respond? How does God call us to respond during this season? 
as the psalmist continues in 88, he says, But I, O Lord, cry to you. He shows us that even when we cannot experience and feel the presence of God or his goodness in our lives, we can still cry out in faith. We can know that the scriptures tell us God is good and God is with us. This prayer can become an act of defiance that grows pure faith. And this prayer is a powerful gift that God has given to us in this time of winter. Now, winter is also a time to let things die. It's similar to pruning a bush. We have to get rid of the things that are no longer needed, the things that aren't healthy. So if you're in a spiritual winter, what are the things that you might need to let die? Perhaps there's an activity, a ministry, an attitude, a relationship. Maybe even there is a sinful habit that needs to die. And this pruning, it hurts. It can be quite painful. But if we don't tend to it, we'll become overgrown and unruly. Now here's the great thing about winter. If we live into this season through prayer and pruning, God will make us beautiful in time. I remember one particularly difficult and harsh winter I went through. It was physically summer outside, but I was living in a spiritual winter. I hadn't actually paid attention to the, the life around me in months because I had been overcome, overcast by this gray weather. I felt like God was a thousand miles away from me. And then one day, I stepped outside from a building, and the sunlight hit me. And for the first time, I actually felt the warmth of the sun rays on my skin. I actually saw the flowers that were budding in all of their beautiful radiance around me. And I actually heard the birds chirping. And it was that time that I knew that winter was over and spring had come. And spring happens to us like that sometimes as we pay attention to what's going on around us and we take note of the changing of the seasons. We can know that we're in spring when we begin to become aware of God's presence, become aware of how closely he is walking with us. And it's not that he went anywhere during winter. We simply begin to see it for what it is. And this realization in spring brings us so much joy. We find ourselves moved by the joy at everything God is doing in our lives. We feel this renewal of life and amazement of the beauty around us. And this is captured by the psalmist in Psalm 126, 
When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. So what do we do with all this joy and awareness of God's presence? Well, we look, we look at where the Holy Spirit's working in our lives and we join him in planting seeds. There's a lot of energy that comes with this joy and so we can join God. Maybe it looks like launching a project that you've been putting off through winter. Maybe starting a new ministry, building up a relationship, or maybe it's time to start a spiritual practice you've been thinking about. Spring is a time to stretch ourselves, to try something new, take some risks. So if you're identifying with joy and the awareness of God's close presence in your life right now, I would encourage you to purposely seek out how God is working in your life and plant some seeds. And then the most likely step forward from spring is into summer. Although there's no guarantee that your life will follow this cyclic pattern without maybe skipping ahead a season or two or even going back to one you were just in. But what does it look like to be in a spiritual summer. Summer is characterized as a time of ease. The hard work of spring has just finished and now it's time to relax. It's a time when work and family tasks, they just flow effortlessly. Things come easy. And that calls us to rest and rejoice. Psalm 37 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. After all the busyness of spring and planting, we often need a spiritual Sabbath or a time of rest to regain our strength. This season is actually the most plausible time to take Kohelet's words as they are. This is a time to be joyful, to do good, eat, drink, and take pleasure, and don't feel guilty about it. Because yes, in this season, it is a gift from God. And perhaps this season of summer, more than any other, is where we often like to pretend that we are. And who can blame us? Summer is amazing. But as much as we would love to stay in a spiritual summer eternally, where rest and play are in perfect harmony and life is easy, we cannot. Each season has its tasks, each season has its rewards, and each season has its end. 
Remember back to springtime when it was time to see where God was working and to join him in planting seeds? Well, what happens when that fruit is ready to be plucked? We are called to harvest. There is work to be done in fall. Very, very rewarding work. The spiritual season of fall is characterized by excitement and anticipation of what God is bringing to completion. There's this, this expectation that something is going to happen. Now, perhaps you've been planting seeds in your neighbors or your coworkers or your classmates at school, maybe talking to them about the gospel and God's goodness in your life. Maybe you've planted some spiritual practices and now you're reaping a crop of spiritual growth in your life. Fall is this time to lean in and harvest the fruit that the Spirit's been growing. We also, because of this bountiful harvest, need to spend time in thanksgiving for what God has been doing and what he will do in our lives and the lives of others. Psalm 65 says, Praise awaits you, our God in Zion. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty, and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks. And the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout and sing for joy. The spiritual season of fall is another very enjoyable season. Filled with the hard work of harvest and much reward. I'm actually already looking forward to reaping some of the harvest from seeds that I'm planting right now. And throughout all these seasons, one may ask, how could we possibly have the strength to live into these seasons and respond to them? And the answer is found only through the strength of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2 says that Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself to become obedient to death, even death on a cross. If Jesus' time at at Gethsemane, before going to the cross and dying for our sins, wasn't a time of spiritual winter, I don't know what would be. We can't go through these seasons on our own, as Kohelet would like us to believe we do. We need to walk with the Spirit. We need the strength of God in each and every spiritual season of our lives. So let's begin now. This is the time of the year that people make New Year's resolutions. 
what if we made a commitment to pay attention to the spiritual seasons we're in and to respond to God by living into that season? What would that look like in your life? What kind of activities would you be doing or not doing? Because we know that the seasons in our lives and the activities we participate in, they are not meaningless. I'm going to invite the band up to play now. And as we sing these next few songs, I invite, I invite you to sing with fervor and passion. Sing like the psalmists. As you'll notice, we read a psalm for each spiritual season. The psalmists are great teachers on how to pray in every season of our lives. So perhaps you're in a season of summer today. Sing with the joy. Sing with the joy that is brought about by the awareness that God is walking so closely with you. Perhaps you're in a, a spiritual season of winter. I invite you to sing with the psalmist from 88. I cry to you, O Lord. Cry to God, believing that he is good and believing that he is with you even if you can't feel it right now sing in defiance let us all sing with joy amen <laughs>